We'll begin in Exodus chapter 22. Exodus chapter 22. I'm going to read several passages in the, from Exodus and Leviticus this morning to start with. It says in verse 31, Exodus 22, verse 31, And you shall be holy men to me. In Leviticus chapter 10, in verse 1. The Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near to me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. We read in this here, the two sons of Aaron that were, that were made priests to serve with Aaron were struck down and killed by the Lord because they, he, they offered incense to the Lord in a way the Lord had not commanded them. And we might say, well, isn't that a little fussy? Moses kind of cleared that up and said, this is what the Lord said. He says, you must respect me and regard me as holy in the way you approach me. If anybody approaches me, must do it in a holy way. And because of that, the two sons of Aaron were struck dead right there. In Leviticus chapter 11, Verse 44. For I am the Lord your God. You shall there consecrate yourselves. And you shall be holy. For I am holy. Verse 45. For I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall... Therefore be holy, for I am holy. Chapter 19 of Leviticus. And verse 2. It 
speak to all the assembly of the children of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Chapter 20 and verse 7. Consecrate yourself, I mean set yourself apart, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Verse 26 of the same chapter. And you shall be holy to me, for I the Lord am holy, and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. You begin to see a theme here with God's people. The first covenant is a, is a very sober and serious command. It's a command to be holy because God is holy. And so we can say, and some will say, well, you know, that was the Old Testament, you know, and we don't want to be legalistic and all this other stuff. So, we look now to the New Testament and see what the apostles commanded us and what they talked about. As we go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans 12.1 I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but transformed, changed, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So you see that this is not just an Old Testament concept, being holy. But it tells us here that we should present ourselves, our bodies, <coughs> this shell that we live in, this, this house that we live in, that we should present it a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God. Which is reason, what it says here is reasonable for God to command us. The Bible says we've been born again, receiving a Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to us so that we can live holy. So this is reasonable for God to command us to be this way, to live a holy life. Now people of the world look at that and think it's strange that we live this way. As Peter says, they think it's strange that we don't live the way they do, the same excess that they do. And while living like they do. The word holy means to be separate. It says here, 
acceptable to God. To live in a way that is acceptable to God and is reasonable in God's eyes to command you to do this. To live a life that's separate from the way of the world, from the way of darkness, from the way of society. A lot of Christendom has given in to the pressures of our society, to accept the customs and the social standing of our society. I want you to think for a minute of some of the things it says in the Scriptures. It refers to Jesus as the Holy One. Jesus referred to His angels as the Holy Angels. We've already read in Leviticus, God says He is holy. God the Father is holy. In Ephesians chapter 3, it says, it refers to holy apostles and prophets. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul addresses the church by saying, refers to them as holy brethren. In 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter talks about those who turn away from the holy commandment. The commands of God are holy. In our place it refers to the the word of God, the scriptures, as holy scriptures. And Jude refers to our most holy faith. You see, it's separate from the world. It's separate from the way of the world. It's separate from the thinking of the world. From the way we were before we were in Christ, that we were programmed from our from our childhood up, the things that were the way of the world. You need to put them away. God has given us His Holy Spirit, His holy nature, to live in, to separate ourselves from our former way of life, as we'll read. In 2 Corinthians, chapter 6, and verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what fellowship has light with darkness? The very powerful point that he's making there. What fellowship is there between light and darkness? From righteousness that we have in Christ and lawlessness, rebellion. What fellowship should there be between the two? And what fellowship is there between Christ and Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple or the house of the living God. As God has said, I will live in them, walk among them, I will be their God, 
and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. This is the call of holiness. Come out from among them. This is come out separation. The word separate means holy. Separation. We have to understand what it means by separation. Not having fellowship with darkness. Not having fellowship with the works of darkness. Not having fellowship with the fruit of darkness. Come out from among them. And be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This is in Isaiah 52. It's an Old Testament command. But you see that in First Corinthians, or in Second Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is using it to command the church of the living God, the new covenant church. Come out and be separate and be holy. And I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters. This is a call of the Lord to His church. Come out from among them. You see it at the time of the end. If you look in the book of Revelation, that same call is in the book of Revelation in the end times. When God is about to judge Mystery Babylon, And he says, come out from among her, my people, lest you receive of her plagues and of her judgments that mystery Babylon will receive. A call of separation from darkness, from unholiness, from ungodliness. Chapter 7, verse 1 continues. Therefore, since this promise that we have of God receiving us as his sons and daughters, Therefore, having these promises, brothers, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. A call to separation, to holiness, to living in the fear of God. So, well, separation from what? From a worldly mindset. We've been talking about the carnal mindset. That breeds death. To have the mind, to, to walk in the mind of Christ. I remember years ago, Kate had a tract that she I, I read. It was called, If Jesus Came to Your House. I don't know if anybody ever seen or heard of it. And it just talked about how we would live differently in our house if Jesus came physically and, and came into our living room and how we would act and how we would talk and how we would dress, and how we would uh, respond to others in our household if Jesus came to live there physically. Well, here's a little bit of news that you all know already. Jesus did come to live with us when we, when we came into Christ. And He does live with us. He lives inside of us. There's plenty of evidence of that in the New Testament. That He lives in our heart. You ask me how I know he lives, the song goes. He lives with inside my life. Jesus lives in us. So how would we live if Jesus was physically, we could see him sitting down in, this, in our living rooms, our dining room, we're having dinner in our kitchen, in our bedrooms. 
you know, how we interacted with our household. How would we live if Jesus came to live with us and became a member of our household physically? So, wow, I would do that, you know. Well, that's how we should be living anyway. Living a holy life. You know, <clears throat> a lot of preachers have talked about being a Sunday Christian. How we live, how we are when we come to church. You know, we dress modestly, we talk nicely to each other. And how you doing, brother? How you doing, sister? And we're and we're watching our p's and q's. A foul word doesn't come out of our mouth, and we're watching ourselves carefully. We read, we talked about the Apostle Paul referring to the church in Thessalonica as being holy brethren. And indeed, there there is a commitment to holiness. I remember one time, uh, Reed Marino, those of you who know Reed Marino, he talked about, you know, when he came back to the Lord, that he was part of the Catholic Church for a while, but, it, but somebody challenged him and said, but it's not a holy fellowship. And it stopped him in his tracks of the, the parish that he was involved in. And he stopped in his tracks. He says, you know what? You're right. A fellowship is called to be committed to, to holiness. And the way we conduct ourselves in the congregation, out in the community, but also in our homes, in our workplace. It's something to really think about and meditate on. Holiness is a calling for our whole life and all the time. Not just segmented to on Sunday at church and whenever we get together as Christians, but how would we how would we live if we all lived together in this house? Like the early church did when they says they lived in the, in the upper room like that and they were all together like that. I think sometimes when we leave our congregation, congregations, we kind of let our guard down and have a different mindset. Okay, this is my time. And we get home and we flesh out. And we're on a road and somebody cuts us off and we flesh out. If our spouse gives us a hard time, we flesh out. If they flesh out at us, we flesh out at them. If our kids are acting up, we flesh out. If our neighbors encroach our space and do something, you know, if our boss gets stinky with us, we get that way back, we flesh out. Because it says... Therefore, having these promises, brothers, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We're living, we're a cause to live in the fear of God. That God is with us. And we should be mindful of that. We should walk in the fear of God and perfect holiness in the fear of God. So what are we going to put on that TV? You know, if we're if Jesus is physically sitting next to us, 
We're going to say, ah, oh, Lord, uh, there's some immodesty here. Just, you know, look the other way when it comes by. And there's some cursing and foul talking <laughs> here. And yeah, they curse your name a little bit, but it's okay because it's a good movie otherwise. Or, yeah, there's some dirty stuff in here, but, you know, really great acting and all that stuff. Stop it. The Bible says not to put anything evil before our eyes. Perfecting holiness. What would, how would we live if Jesus came to live with us? What would we be putting on that TV? Would we be compromising the way we would otherwise? What I'm talking about here is an awareness of the presence of God and that God, as He said, must be regarded as holy. And we should regard Him as holy because He's in our presence 24-7. Now, I grew up in a home where there was a watching of the P's and the Q's in the house to a certain point. But it was religion. Holiness must begin in the heart. We must be converted, Jesus said, and become like little children, where there is no way we'll enter the kingdom of God. We must be born of the Spirit. And that Spirit is a Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit... Gives, provides for us a holy new nature. And the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, would guide us. And what is He guiding us? One of the things He's guiding us into is a life of holiness. That what God has put in us, this holiness He's put inside of us, to live it out. And not make excuses or indulgences for the flesh. Having the promise, having these holy promise, these precious promises, brothers, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. This isn't legalism. This isn't the old covenant. This is the Apostle Paul who taught salvation by grace through faith. Salvation by faith through grace. And yet he's calling us. God is using him to call us to a life of holiness. Of walking in the fear of God. It makes us think twice before we let anything come out of our mouth, doesn't it? To speak in a holy way. To only minister grace to the hearers. To not lash out at anyone. To be unloving to no one. Let's read a little more of the New Testament. Ephesians 1. I'm going to go through these quickly. Ephesians 1. Verses 3 to 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. 
chapter 3 of Ephesians. I'm sorry, chapter 5 of Ephesians and verse 27. That he might present her, the church, to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she should be holy and without blemish. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 8. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his purpose and grace, which is given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. God cleansed us and made us holy and called us to live a holy life. So both the conversion and making us holy by giving, cleansing us, and giving us His Holy Spirit to live holy. Hebrews chapter 7. Verse 26, referring to Jesus... For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless or innocent, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. That's Jesus. Holy, innocent, undefiled, separate from sinners. And this is our calling. This is also our calling. To be separate, undefiled, Holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. Now Jesus was both separate from sinners, but he loved sinners. And he had an outrage towards sinners. Some groups in history of Christendom misinterpret this to mean separate from sinners means they have that you like you have nothing to do with them, you don't talk to them, you separate separate your society from them, you know, and you know, you see groups that go off into some wilderness and have their own society, their own community, that they don't have anything, they don't talk to them, they have no interaction with them, they don't do business with them, nothing. But that's not what it's talking about here. When it's all about separate from sinners, it's all about separate from their way. Don't be part of what they're doing. Don't go with them when they're sinning. Don't partake of their sins. That's what it means when it says separate from sinners. Not having nothing to do with their company. Not ever having company with them. Not having fellowship with them. Is different than not... Because Jesus was ridiculed by the religious of his time for eating with sinners and reaching out to sinners and being in company of them as he reached out to them and ministered to them. We have to understand there's a difference between the two. 
lest we make the same mistake as other groups have. In Hebrews chapter 12, same book, chapter 12, Hebrews 12, It talks about God's discipline. I think uh, Dan Beachy read this a few weeks ago. In verse 9, it says, Hebrews 12, 9, Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed... For a few days chastened us, or disciplined us, as seemed best to them. But he, God, for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. When God disciplines us, there's a purpose in it. Besides, we would change the way we live, live. The way we think. What we accept and don't accept. So we change how we live so that we might be partakers of His holiness. If we're not living right, if we're not walking in holiness, God is going to take out the rod of, of His discipline in different ways through circumstances, through different things that happen in our life to get our attention, just like a father does with his children. Say, this is the wrong way. A godly father will instruct his children, this is the wrong way. And discipline them in love for their for their good. You know, it's because I care about you. I don't want you to grow up to be bad. I don't want you to grow up to, to be corrupt. I don't want you to grow up to be a lawbreaker. I don't want you to go to jail. I want you to respect God and I want you to respect the laws of the country. I want you to, you know, to respect authority. God's authority and the authority that God has put in place. And so God does that to us too. Out of his love for us. He disciplines us for our good so that we might be partakers of His holiness and that we might live holy. He says, be holy for I am holy. In the same chapter, verse 14, pursue peace with all men and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Unless there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food Sold his birthright. This is a warning to Christians to walk with Christ, to walk in the Spirit. He says, because if we don't, he goes, pursue peace with all men and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. So, aren't we saved by grace? Yes, we are. But we're saved to walk in his way. God saves us and empowers us to walk in His way. It goes on to talk about Esau. 
In verse 17, for we know that afterwards, when he would inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Jesus said on Judgment Day that many people are going to come to him and say, Lord, didn't we do all these wonderful things in your name, in the name of Jesus? Cast out demons in your name. Do all these wonderful works in your name. And Jesus said, depart from me, all you who work iniquity. I never knew you. They were doing things in the name of Jesus. They believed in someone named Jesus. But they didn't walk with Jesus. They didn't walk by faith. They rejected his holiness. They rejected the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in the book of Romans that those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and its lusts. Galatians chapter 5, that is where that is. So finally, a couple in First Peter. Again, go through these quickly. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revealing of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And here Peter refers to the Old Testament command of being holy, and he brings it to the attention of the New Testament Christian that this is for us too. That God is holy and we are called to be holy. It's interesting that he says that we should put our hope fully in the grace to be revealed to us at the coming of Christ, but then he talks to us about the life of Christ that we're called to live. The life of holiness that we're called to. And it is the grace of God, the goodness of God that leads us down this road of His holiness. Chapter 2 of 1 Peter and verse 4 Coming to Him as to a living stone rejected indeed by men but chosen by God and precious you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The life in Christ is a call to the holy priesthood of Christ. And offer up spiritual sacrifices. Now what are spiritual sacrifices? We already read it. Romans 12.1 And we are called, he calls us to A 
I beseech you, brothers, for the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Spiritual sacrifices, denying ourselves, offering up our body a living sacrifice. Present our bodies as a living sacrifice. A holy priesthood offering up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 11. This is when it's talking about Jesus returning. It says, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, all these things that God is going to bring on the world, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Holy conduct and godly living. And again, it's not just when we're in public, it includes when we're in public. It includes when we're in the marketplace and, in the, and in the, on the highway. It includes when we're in our workplace and our neighborhood. It includes our home. How shall we live in our home in all holiness, holy, God, holy conduct and godliness? Am I living in holy conduct and godliness in my own home, my own family, my own workplace, my own neighborhood? A lot to think about, isn't it? In 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, it says, God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness. Holy brethren, Paul refers to the church. So, this is a time of sobriety. We give thanks to all God has done for us. But we understand what He puts upon us. To live the life that the Holy Spirit is leading us into. A Holy Spirit leads us into a holy life. And what manner of holy conduct and godliness should we be living in? Something to meditate on today. That's what I have today. I want other brothers want to comment on that or anything else that you want to share or teach.